0: up fam welcome to stream of Copiness. i'm your host vanessa and on this podcast we'll chat all things copy creativity and running a business in this weird ass reality On this podcast, you'll get the spicy tips and takes about writing copy and content that isn't so damn boring and basic, ways to run a biz that feel intentional and intuitive, and of course, a little bit of magic and witchy stuff. I'll also be bringing in other conscious creators to put me in the copy hot seat and have casual conversations about the hell yes wins and Drake-esque woes of running an intentional business. Thanks for lending me your ear holes. Now let's get it poppin'. What's up, fam? So this episode of Stream of Copiness is going to be a little different from the norm. Um, It has nothing to do with copying content, and it has everything to do with a cause that is very near and dear to my heart. And if you know me, you know that I am obsessed with my pit bulls, Frankie and Nola, and pretty much just obsessed with the breed in general. And... You may not know this about me, but I am the co-founder of a fundraiser called Pitness in the Park that is all about raising awareness and educating people on how amazing these dogs are. So this episode, I am bringing on the founder of Jersey Pits Rescue, which is the rescue that we raise funds for over the past two years and what we will be raising funds for for this year to talk about adoption, rescue, pit bulls, and just dog ownership in general. And as I was having this conversation with Danny, I kind of forgot how like emotional it could be and how emotional the topic can be when it comes to animal welfare in general. You know, this year alone has been one of the worst and hardest years for shelters and rescues because of the past few years and you know the economy and all the other existential things going on in our world but every piece of the puzzle is helpful when it comes to rescue adoption and saving these dogs. So Danny is the co-founder of Jersey Pits Rescue, and Jersey Pits Rescue is a foster-based animal rescue based out of New Jersey. And I personally think one of the most beautiful things about Jersey Pits Rescue is they're not only about saving dogs, is they're truly a staple in the community. Not only do they help adopt and rescue, they help educate and they go out to the community and they're involved in the schools, in local events, in fundraisers, and they help educate and resource people in their community. So if you are someone in the community who maybe doesn't have the means to be able to feed a dog that you really love, Jersey Pits Rescue comes in and helps. Jersey Pits Rescue can help educate how to take care of those animals and it can be very overwhelming getting involved in anything let alone something as big as this and I know a lot of the times I've definitely felt almost that like paralysis by analysis that like oh well what am I gonna do to make a difference I'm just a tiny piece of the puzzle but like I said before everything is meaningful every donation every bag of food every share on social media is helpful when it comes to changing the stigma against pit bulls and changing the status of how many dogs need help out there so in this episode we talk about a lot of ways that you can get involved not only the physical adoption and fostering dogs, but other things that you can do to get involved with the rescue. Uh, we also talk about best practices for fostering and adopting for a first time. I know when I adopted my dog, Nola, I had no idea what I was doing, which like in retrospect probably wasn't the greatest thing as a first time adopter, but you learn and she's a princess now. So. But we talk about those best practices to help people who might be interested in adopting or fostering, but are a little scared because they've never had an animal before. Um, And we really talk about just how amazing these animals are and how they have the ability and the resilience to change lives, even when they don't realize it. And As I'm saying that right on cue, Nola comes in the room and makes her beautiful face known that She is hungry. So the last thing I'm going to say before we dive into this episode is talk a little bit about Pitness in the Park. So Pitness in the Park is an annual fundraiser that focuses on educating and spreading awareness around bully type breeds, as well as raises money for local rescues and supports small local businesses. So my partner Lauren and I created this event five or six years ago, and since then, We've helped raise over $20,000 for local rescues. We've helped local businesses create full communities around themselves and other businesses who align with them, focused on how they feel about bully breeds and how they believe that these animals are such great animals. Um, fitness in the park is so much more than an event though it's grown into something so much bigger than I think either of us ever thought it would be and we're really excited for this next event we will have um over 15 local vendors there we have some training going on by Laura Wydell she's also going to be doing a presentation about myth busting on pit bulls of course Danny and Kendall of Jersey Pits Rescue are going to be there And when I say this event is full of the cutest pit bulls ever, I am not lying. There are so many amazing dogs to the point where sometimes I kind of just want to like lay in the middle of it and just let all the dogs lick my face and play with them. But, you know, you can't really do that. Apparently, you're not allowed to do that. And there's also some amazing raffles. I'm not going to lie. My mom is the queen at making raffle baskets, and she's been texting me pictures every day of these dope baskets that she's made that i am actually going to upload in the show notes and the best part about all of this is that all of the proceeds go to jersey pits rescue so all that money goes to them to do whatever they can to help these dogs That's going down on October 22nd from 11 to 2 at Hamilton Park in downtown Jersey City. All of the tickets are donation-based, so once again, all of the proceeds go directly to Jersey Pits Rescue. If you can't make the event, you can still donate at the Eventbrite, where the notes are going to be, or the link will be in the show notes, and I can continue to ramble about this, but we're going to dive into the episode, so hope you enjoy. Remember, fam, adopt, don't shop, rescue, foster, and don't be a dick when it comes to dogs. Hope you enjoy here with danny she's the co-founder of jersey pits rescue so danny thank you so much for being here on this bonus episode um i feel like it's kind of when i think back to even starting pitness in the park or just like adopting my first dog thinking of even talking to a founder of a rescue kind of makes me like fangirl a little bit because I see y'all as like superheroes. So thank you for being here. I appreciate your time. I appreciate all the work that you do. And I'm excited to talk about Jersey Pits Rescue and Fitness in the Park, of course. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm super excited to be here. Thanks for taking the time. Of course. So what is, can you tell me a little bit about Jersey Pits Rescue? Like how did it start? What's the mission? What was there like a specific dog that made you all start it what's the story behind
1: jersey pits yeah definitely so it goes back to like whew, i want to say like seven years ago um uh-huh. i started balling well i adopted my own dog and first pit bull i ever owned and i just remember thinking like someone didn't want him and he's <laughs> like the Coolest dog I've ever met, like in my opinion, of course. And yeah. <laughs> I just, <laughs> and I was like, dogs I just we ever met. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, I just can't believe someone didn't want him, and he's like the best thing that ever happened to me. And I just started thinking, like, there has to be so many other dogs out there that are, you know, sitting in a shelter, have the same history, like, just someone couldn't take care of them, someone didn't want him, and. I started actually like asking around and one of my friends um, adopted a dog from the Newark shelter, also a pit bull and was like, if you want to get involved, like that's probably your best bet. It's one of the highest intake shelters in the state. Mm -hmm. They have between 200 and 300 dogs at any given time. Like they're in a location that's not really having a lot of foot traffic. Mm -hmm. Like those dogs need you the most. So that's kind of what I did. I reached out to the Newark shelter back, like I said, seven years ago. And I want, I was like, how can I help, you know? And yeah. totally knew nothing about rescue. Honestly, knew was so new to it and um, had this thought in my head that, you know, what, like, Oh, this is going to be like a beautiful shelter. They probably have play times mm-hmm. and play areas and, people walking them and when I got there I was like so shocked that what was in my mind is the total opposite of what I was seeing right yeah Yeah. overcrowded rundown basically shelter with with not enough employees a handful of volunteers Mm -hmm. and that's really how I got started um you know, started volunteering at the shelter going even after work As if I could be there for an hour, I was going and walking dogs, bringing them on weekends to adoption events. And that's where I met um, my, my partner, Kendall, who mm-hmm. um, I run the rescue with now. Um, so yeah, we really started just as weekly volunteers at the Newark shelter. We started um, meeting other volunteers there and, you know. Getting familiarized with a bunch of the other rescues in New Jersey and started volunteering with other rescues. And that's where we were we really started seeing things like, all right, like, this rescue's doing, but we're all for it. Like they're saving dogs, but it's not really our vision, right? Right, like, right, right. We want to start our own thing. And that's what we decided to do back in 2018. We um we knew one thing is that we just wanted to save new jersey dogs right we were seeing a lot of Mm. a lot of rescues bringing up truckloads of dogs from you know it's great to save a life but we we just knew how many dogs in our own state really needed the help so that's really where we got the idea for jersey pit rescue like let's let's start our own state there's so many shelters here that are filled with amazing dogs that are also losing their lives because there's no space. There's not enough right. doctors. There's not enough volunteers. So, um, and that was, that was really it for us. Like we, and it was so funny. We were like, you know, we'll start small. We really want to just save a couple dogs a month. And it just kind of blew up from there, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's one
0: of those things. Thank you for sharing that. Um, it's one of those things where you're like, oh, I only want to like, you know, help a little bit. I want to be able to do what I can do. But then once you start, I think that's when you really realize like how immense the problem is with how many dogs don't have homes and how many dogs are actually available to be adopted and fostered and need help. And, you know, when you were talking about walking into the shelter, like I, I feel that. I remember the first time I ever walked into Liberty Humane Society as a volunteer because I wanted to get involved I was so like emotionally shaken like you walk in to this shelter and I'm sure it's like this with a lot and there's just all of these dogs and most of them are barking and you could like dogs aren't supposed to be in cages with a hundred other dogs around them and you know it's like you can only do so much and sometimes it's like it's better for them to not be running around on the street where things could be where they can get killed or whatever can happen but it's a very overwhelming experience at least that's what I felt like and I think that's not people don't realize that at first like they think they're gonna walk into this beautiful place like this resort for dogs then you walk in (laughs) and you're actually like oh no it is not a resort at all this is oh it's almost like A prison for dogs and I'm not saying anything bad about shelters because without shelters who knows where half of these dogs would be but the fact that you took that experience and you use that to like catapult you to do your own thing is awesome and so needed and I love that y'all do jersey only animal jersey only dogs because I think it's really important to remember like starting small and it's not small by any means is what's important it's like starting local local is so important that's a a huge you know that's one of our pillars of fitness in the park is supporting local obviously a local rescue and a local business because it's really important to help your community and help your neighborhood
1: yeah, I was just gonna say that too. You know, it starts with the dogs, right? Like we—that was our main focus, but it's grown so much from there. Like mm-hmm. we are in in the neighborhoods, you know, and like yeah, people calling us who are like, oh, I heard from my neighbor who you helped. You know, like we'll we'll help like people in Patterson where we really focus on that shelter. You know, we don't want to take their dogs if they, you know, like we want right, to right, help right. them keep their dogs too, and we do, we support a lot of families with, with food or medical care or spaying and neutering. And it, it's really like, we've, it's grown so much more than just a rescue, right? Like one time, um, for example, like we were helping someone who had lost their home was literally mm-hmm. homeless and we oh took their God. dog and then it's like, okay, now we have to help him. Like how can right. we get him off the street into a shelter himself? Right. So it's grown so much from just being in the shelter to really being a part of the community and educating and just last week I was um, I took the day and went to a school and we were talking to like the kids about the importance of adoption and getting involved and you know it, it becomes so much more than oh just my God, I spending love time that. in a shelter
0: yeah yeah and I think that's so important the educational piece of it because a lot of these dogs I feel like end up on the street or in children's because there is not that education. There's not, you know, maybe it's not known about these resources that you have, like being able, like you just said, like, just being able to feed a dog rather than having someone, um, abandon their dog or leave it or give it up. It's like, maybe it's because they can't give this dog food. So you guys come in and provide that. That is so amazing. And that education piece is just so important even about like pit bulls in general. So I would love to hear, why do you think, and I'm sure you get this question all the time and being around it, like why do you think it's pit bulls that have such a huge population of dogs that need homes?
1: Yeah. So I actually, when I first started in rescue, that was my biggest question, right? Why is 90% of the dogs in these shelters, Pitbull type dogs. Right. Yeah. And I actually was talking to someone who's been in rescue for years and years and years. And she's like, you see it change sometimes, mm-hmm. like every couple years. She's like, when I got into rescue in the eighties, it was the German shepherd yep. that, and it was the Rottweilers. That's what was filling up our shelters. And she's like, we rarely saw as many pit bulls as we're seeing today. Right. huh. And it's kind of almost like a cycle, like right now, like those are the cool dogs to have. And I think, um, you know, if you look at statistics and things like that, they're right now the most overbred dog in in the country, right? Mm -hmm. There's just so many more of them. Um, I think a lot of that too, you know, like the neighborhoods that they're in. A lot of people just think they look cool, so they start breeding them, and it's just a constant cycle. And they don't realize, like, yeah, they are beautiful animals, like aesthetically speaking, right? They're gorgeous, majestic land seals. Yes, yeah, hundred (laughs) percent. But they're also terriers who require a lot of mental phys- physical stimulation and a lot of these towns you know these dogs are living in apartments which is fine if you're going to give them the exercise they need right right but it's just not happening and that's when they become hyper or right. some behavioral issues things like because they're not getting what they need yeah so a lot of times it's like oh I can't tell you how many times I hear like he's just too much for me. I can't Mm -hmm. handle him. And that's why we're surrendering them. They have too much, too much energy. And it's like, yes, this is the breed. And, it, you know, we see it now with like the Malamas and and things like that, where people just think they're cool. You know, they see them on TV and they don't really research the breed. You know, then of course it just becomes breed too. Like, let's just, I need money. I'm going to breed my dog. And it becomes just an endless cycle. And I always, like, I remember reading recently that, I think it was like 40% of most pit bull litters end up in the shelter and only, oh my God. only 50% of those make it out of the shelter, you know? Mm, yeah.
0: Yeah. That's so. been, it's been really interesting to see. Not interesting. I actually don't even know how to identify what it feels like moving down to the South. So like being in Texas, Houston has, I think the number one, like, kill shelter population and stray problem in America that may not be right but it sounds about right um I think you are right (laughs) but even seeing like being in the neighborhoods you know we are my dogs sleep in my bed with us like they are the biggest babies ever and just walking around the neighborhoods majority of the dogs that I see are at least some type of bully breed and you know Down, and I don't want to make an assumption about all of the South, but I'm saying what I have seen it's like dogs aren't only pets or part of the family. They're used for protection, they're used for breeding to make money. And, you know, they're not seen as these lovable furry creatures that you take with you on vacation and put sweaters on they're seen as like a commodity like that's what they're used for they're used to protect the house they're used to protect your cars and your belongings and um it it's it was kind of like a it was a culture shock to see like uh, there's a few houses down where there's these two beautiful pit bulls, and they were just left out all the time and me mm-hmm. I'm like why are those dogs walked why aren't they taken care of blah 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 like why aren't they loved and it took my husband to be like, hey, it doesn't mean that they're not loved they're just treated differently because they're seen differently down here like there's a different um, you know like cultural aspect of dogs down here.
1: yeah I, I think it's not even just down where you are in the south I think like, we're so familiar with just our tri-state area, right? Yeah. Where like they are our family, they yeah. really are. Like I, I mean, my one dog was at daycare today, and I always joke like I'd rather spend the day there. He's swimming all day. He's <laughs> running around. Like it's it's incredible. But like even when I travel to like family members who live down in South Jersey or yeah. you know some parts of Connecticut it's just it's different like they they don't think the same way we do about it and it makes me sad but sometimes I have to like remind myself that everyone's different yeah Um, and it's also like
0: like no they are they are animals they are animals like they yeah that's what I was just gonna say too They come from wolves, even though most of them are afraid of their own farts. Like, <laughs> I know it's so true. <laughs> um, so what do you think? Like, what is probably the biggest myth about fostering and adopting
1: that you guys hear? Um, I hear it so like I think the biggest one for me anyway what I hear the most is that people assume that these animals are all traumatized or Mm -hmm. are damaged or there's a reason that they're at the shelter like I can't tell you how many people are like I prefer to foster or adopt a puppy because they don't have baggage right you know and I think that's one of the biggest misconceptions like you know, since two thousand and eighteen, we've saved over probably five hundred dogs, right? Like, oh and that God. that includes dogs that we've helped get out of the shelter and into right. other rescues. And have there been some issues that we've had to work through with training or behaviorists? Yes, but it's more uncommon than it is common, right. Mm-hmm. Um I think people don't understand how resilient dogs are. yeah, and, and how forgiving they are and I, I mean that's what I try to tell people the most like they they're not damaged goods they're not just because they came to a shelter it doesn't automatically mean that they have a behavioral issue or it, like it's just such a misconception and mm-hmm. then at the same time you get people who are who don't realize too how much breed like the breeding goes into Behavior or removing a dog, a puppy from its mother too soon can have huge effects on behavior. Mm -hmm. So people just assume if they get a puppy, it's going to be, they can raise it to be whatever, you know, like the best dog on the planet. And it's like some of these adult dogs are way better, have a way better chance. Totally. Turning out perfect. You know, like we've had, you know, you don't know what you're getting with a puppy all the time. And that's why I'm like, always like, why do people want them? They're such little demons. Mm -hmm. But, um, I think definitely like that's like the biggest misconception is just that they're damaged goods, that there's something automatically wrong with them. Um, I'm not like, I'm not, I don't want to foster or rescue a dog because I don't know where they came from. I don't know their background and I, I, it drives me insane, honestly. Yeah. Um, I think that's the biggest misconception there. Um, I think too, like, there's always so many questions when it comes to fostering, which is great. I'm, I'm always open to like answering everyone's questions, but Uh you know, they don't, they just don't know what to expect. Right. And that's fine. Especially first time fosters. Um, you know, so they, they don't know like if they should be introducing dog, their dog to another, like the foster dog to their dog. There's always just so many questions that come with fostering, which I actually appreciate. Um, but definitely like biggest misconception is just that dogs from shelters have issues. Like mm. it makes me so sad. Cause I'm like, yeah. there's amazing dogs sitting in the shelter. Like we've had dogs that we know have come from like the worst possible homes or have had so much trauma and end up being the absolute best, sweetest dogs ever mm. that you would never know that they've been through anything bad in their entire lives.
0: Yeah. Like, and you think about just because a dog, has some issues whether it's behavioral or whatever doesn't mean they're a bad dog and doesn't mean that they can't live a happy life right like i think we all talk about it like between the four of us like all of us have a dog that has some type of issue like some type of issue. 100% so, i mean yeah.
1: i have issues right yes, same
0: <laughs> i have many issues every human has an issue and that's actually what i was going to say like if i think it's easy to forget that like animals are living creatures so they have trauma they go through trauma they have emotions like they may not be as petty as some people unless you're like my beautiful dog Nola, who's petty as hell but like (laughs) they're not gonna be petty and judgmental like people are but they're still gonna have issues like you said like taking a dog taking a puppy away from its mom too soon imagine if you do that to a baby like think about the people that are formed when you take a child away from a mother too soon you know it's like we kind of forget that they're living creatures and they go through things so yes they might have some issues but that doesn't mean that they're bad dogs and it doesn't mean that they can't be rehabbed and learn how to cope with those issues or make those issues better like You know, I I always talk about Frank, my one dog. We got him from a shelter and we first got him. We didn't realize how many issues he had, but we worked with him so many times. And there's been times where like, he's gotten worse. He's gotten better. He's gotten worse. He's gotten better. But an animal is a lifetime commitment, just like a child is. So you have to take care of them in that sense. You have to be willing to learn with them and learn for them.
1: Yeah. And if anything, we should be more understanding because they can't talk to us. Right. Right, (laughs) (laughs) They can't really communicate their, what they've been through. Right. Right. So it's up to us to really kind of figure it out. And yeah, exactly. I've had so many issues with my one dog who he, he wasn't even in a shelter. I, he was being rehomed on social media and I, that's how I got him. And I've learned so much through having him and uh-huh. working through some of his issues. And like, I have to tell you, I trust him a hundred percent more than I trust the puppy I adopted yeah. uh, <laughs> seven months ago. Like, cause we've just, we've done so much training and, yeah. and I, because of that, I've learned so much, right? Like I've really trained myself and I realized that a lot of his bad behaviors and a lot of his so-called issues are really me creating oh my
0: god absolutely you learn so much about yourself when you are training your dog like your bad habits come out when you are training your dog
1: (laughs) all we want to do is coddle them right and yep and protect them and make sure they're okay yep and I always joke because he's never had an issue with my husband but always like he used to have some issues with me and my husband's like that's because you treat him like a baby you literally (laughs) carry him around the house and he's like and I love him as much as you do but I treat him like an like a dog like you can't do certain things you can't you can't just let him run your house this is your house right yep yep they need that discipline so what
0: would you say for someone who's thinking about fostering or adopting what is the best way
1: to prepare for that really good question um I think that it's so important. Like the most important thing to do is to, and I always tell every foster this, like make sure you have a safe spot for that new dog. Right. Especially mm. if there's another dog in your home, like people, a lot of people believe like, okay, I'm taking this dog from the shelter. And then they just like throw them into their everyday life. Like this yep. dog has been sitting in a shelter with a bunch of barking dogs. It hasn't had a chance to relax. It hasn't had a chance to decompress at mm-hmm. all. Right. Mm-hmm. So I always say like, First thing you want to do is in a separate room, whether it be like a spare bedroom or even a corner in the living room, have like a safe space for that dog where it can spend time by itself. Like let it, let it decompress, let it take, like have a good sleep. Like they don't even sleep in the shelter. Can you imagine sleeping somewhere where it's just tons of barking dogs and you're completely on edge 24 seven. And it's like, give them that chance to decompress. I can't tell you how many times a foster has just like, thrown a dog into like their their everyday life like yeah oh I it, it's been in my home for one day I brought it to work with me like no we don't want to do any of that kind of stuff right um I think also um just ask a lot of questions right we're we're really open to like answering any questions you have when mm-hmm. it comes to fostering and I think it's also really important to talk with the rescue or the shelter or whoever you're fostering through to make sure that they really have an understanding of your lifestyle, your household, you know, we want to make sure we're placing a dog that makes sense for your life. Right. Right, And that we're setting up for success. Um, I always say too, like, always just be more cautious when, when a brand new dog's coming in your home, right. If there's another dog in the home, like feed them separately for a minute, give them their space. Yep. Like, don't do, just throw them in with a bunch of toys and another dog in the home. Like, set them up for success, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you so, don't want
0: to set them up for failure. I feel like that's, you know, that's what I've learned from training my both my dogs, mainly Frank, with his issues. It's like, I remember Laura Waddell, who's actually going to be on the next podcast of this series. She's an oh, amazing awesome. trainer. Yeah, she said, like, you want to set your dog up for For success you never want to put them in a situation where they're gonna do wrong because once again they're animals so Mm -hmm. you don't know any better
1: yeah and I would also say like keep the household a little bit more quiet than usual right like we have you don't want to like invite all your friends over the next day to come meet this dog that is so brand new to your home it barely even knows who you are right Mm -hmm. I just always say like patience time and understanding especially in the first week yeah
0: That's super helpful. And it's so true. It's so true. When I think about like, my, how when we first adopted NOLA, like probably did not do any of those. But then like the second time around, you're more of it like okay how do I make sure that this dog is eased into this situation because their life is so jarred whether they're coming out of a shelter or a foster or just like you think about even traveling with the dog sometimes too right they get like thrown out of their routine and dogs thrive on routine
1: exactly yeah I mean it's all a learning experience too right like I I did the same exact thing when I when I adopted Macho I didn't even know what questions to ask when I brought him home. I didn't even, I didn't know if he was dog friendly. I didn't know like anything about him. I was just so naive and so uneducated when it came to dogs in general. (laughs) Yeah. That I didn't even think to ask those things. Like, is he crate trained? Is he housebroken? Yeah. No, it was, I also did some of the things that I'm saying right now not to do like the first I didn't even stop home I stopped right at a friend's house like look at my new dog like how dumb when I think back to that
0: (laughs) yeah I think the same thing too and it's like did you grow up with dogs did you have dogs growing up
1: I did but I they were never like you know they were a family dog right so I didn't really I wasn't as responsible for it it you know it was more of like Yep, I got to enjoy all the great parts of having a dog, but my parents fed it and my parents walked totally, it, you know?
0: Totally, yep, yeah. I, I asked because I grew up, uh, I grew up with dogs too. I grew up with Rottweilers. So like I always grew up with big dogs and I distinctly remember how my dad trained him. His name is Bubba. He was the best dog ever. But like, <laughs> and I remember my dad always saying like, you, he has to be trained well because he's a big dog and because they have this reputation. Like, I remember yep. everyone being afraid of him and maybe that's why, you know, subconsciously I've always been drawn to pit bulls because they kind of have the same reputation now. But, like, mm-hmm. also in saying that, the way my dad trained our family dog is completely different from how our dogs are trained and completely different how, like, they, they lived. And neither of them were wrong neither of them were right but that's just how it was done they were trained and it took so much time to do
1: that yeah no I completely agree um same like I we always had big dogs too growing up but super well trained um I definitely not
0: sleeping in any beds I was just gonna
1: say (laughs) totally different than how it is right now um I even think back to like I'm like, I'm sure my dogs went to the vet, but my dog's at the vet like every week, you know? Yeah.
0: <laughs> every little thing that's wrong with them. Yeah, the like it wasn't day. like
1: that. My dad's always like, you create your own problems. <laughs> like you bring them, <laughs> you're at the vet every week. No wonder why he always has something wrong with them. <laughs> yep. Um, but so what it's just a be- different-
0: Um. Go ahead. Sorry, I just- No, no, what go no. What were you going to say?
1: I was no, going to no, say, good.
0: what are some of your as- a rescue, what are some of your go-to resources as well as what are some resources that you would suggest that uh, first-time foster adopters or just like anyone in general, resources about helping adoption, fostering, working with rescues, because there's so much work to be done. And I feel like there's so many pieces of the puzzle that Mm -hmm. not everyone's aware of all those different pieces. Um, so what are your favorite resources
1: to just send people to? Yeah. So I think a lot of it came with just trial and error, honestly, in the beginning. And you start to build like those contacts and you start to meet trainers and vets and things like that, that you really do trust. Um, and you also learn from experience, right. From Mm -hmm. like some of the first, some of our first dogs that were in foster. So for us, a lot of it was like talking to, with other, like older more established rescues uh-huh. and get like asking a lot of questions and like we've actually put together like a guide for all of our fosters oh, and all so of our amazing. adopters yeah like this is what you should be doing your first week you know the first month like we kind of do a breakdown of like what they should expect um and what they should be doing and we we send that to all of our fosters and adopters um and it changes you know based on the dog like or the home. We right. make some some edits to it, like if there's other animals in the home, things like that, like slow introductions. We talk a lot about that. Um I think we've learned a lot too from you know, working with our vets and some of the trainers that we've used. You know, we've we've I feel like we've probably spoken to half the trainers in New Jersey, a uh-huh. more. Um and we're always like giving them as resources. We also Um, provide them with you know our recommendations for boarding things like that for even when they travel we try to give them a whole list of just people they can reach out to Um, we've worked with like amazing behavioralist vets too you know sometimes dogs need medication or things like that and we always refer them to to people that we have experience with Um, and I think that's helpful because you know we've been doing this for a pretty long period of time now but it definitely was like a trial and error for us, right? Mm-hmm. Like we, we've, we're human. We learned along the way of what people should and should not be doing. <laughs> um, but yeah, I always like people reach out to us constantly and we just ask them like, where are you located? And we most likely have a resource in that area and we will recommend that person to them. You know, there's, there's some areas where we're just not familiar and we don't have a trainer or right. um, a vet offhand, but that is, I think, just, like, over time, we've really, like, accumulated a pretty pretty long list of people we trust, and um, that's where, like, most of our resources came, right, from speaking with other vets, uh-huh. speaking with other rescues, um, and over time, we've just, like, accumulated this list that we usually share out, but I think there's so much to learn, too, like, even if you're not in New Jersey, right, like, just an easy Google search like rescues or, or shelters in my area. And there's so much that you can like learn just by reaching out to, you know, organizations that are locally to, to you. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah.
0: And I think that's, that comes back to that like being local and doing your small part. It's even like learning laws about like, what are the laws about animals about, uh, you know, what do you do if you find a stray animal? Like I, and I would love to hear what you think about that. Like there's been multiple times down here. especially when we first moved down here, we're like, Alex or I came across a stray dog and we were like, okay, what do we do? You know, if I was in New Jersey, I have a group of rescues that I could reach out to, to figure out what to do. But down here, it's like, okay, what's the first step? Like, what is my first step to do? Who do I reach out to? And I had to do that research, I had to find rescues and, you know, reach out to multiple people. Um, But for someone so like, you know, hypothetically speaking, say someone found a stray dog, or they know of a dog that uh, Mm -hmm. needs to be rehomed, like, what would be the And I don't even think this is like a blanket statement or a this is how it's done process, because I'm sure every situation is different. Like, how would someone go about that?
1: Yeah. And I mean, we get these kind of requests every single day, right? So there's you you were talking about the laws, right? Too. Like I feel like I've learned so much about like animal laws in New Jersey in general, just from these type of situations happening. And unfortunately, too, we live in a state where the laws for dogs are just not great or animals yeah. in general. Right. Like people just aren't held accountable. Mm-hmm. Um, we always say like one of the good things about New Jersey is now every police state, every police department has like a humane law enforcement officer. So that's uh-huh. always like the first a lot. What's sad, too, is a lot of people reach out to us and are like, there's a dog being abused so there's a dog being mistreated and it's like unfortunately like i don't have the legal like i'm not legally allowed to just go and see someone's dog yeah, right dude. and it's heartbreaking so it really is and i wish i did you know but there are rules and laws that we have to follow too um you know i can't get in trouble mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> but um you know we do always like recommend reaching out to the police, reaching out to local animal control. I think also too, so many people are misinformed about shelters in New Jersey. Like, do we want to keep animals out of the shelter? Of course, Yeah. but like you mentioned earlier, a dog is safer there than they are on the streets, right? right. Or being handed over to just a random person. Right. Um, we get this a lot with with the town of Patterson, which is where we focus majority of our efforts. Uh-huh. And people will be like, don't bring them to the shelter they kill them. And it's like, it's just not accurate. Right. And you're spreading like totally just wrong information. Right. And we try to explain to them, like when we see it on Facebook or we see it on social media, like we are there twice a week. Those dogs are safer there. Like bring the dog there. It has to legally be on a seven day stray hold. Right. Totally. And that's for our state anyway. It needs to be on a legal stray hold if it's found Mm -hmm. as a stray. Um, and like we have, there's a better chance that we can save that dog if it's there. Right. Yeah. Unless, and if it's, if it's being passed around and we can't keep track of it, like that's way worse for the dog. Yeah. So I always say police, animal control and last resort shelter. Right. Yeah. yeah. That's super helpful. I feel like that's super helpful to people
0: who kind of feel like maybe lost or overwhelmed can you hear my dog barking in the background yeah um, it wouldn't be an episode without a dog barking in the background
1: sure. I know I'm like waiting for my dog to <laughs> grab a squeaky toy right
0: um it's that's. I think that's super helpful for people because it could be very overwhelming when thinking about having to you know help this stray dog and then you're like okay what do I do I save this dog and now I have this dog You know, like if you were to see, like, I feel like there's been so many times, not so many times, but there's definitely been more times down here than in New Jersey. where, like, you see a stray dog. We've actually like gotten one and then been like, okay, now what do we do? We have two dogs at home that we can't bring another dog home to. And this might be someone's dog. We don't know how this dog behaves. So it's like knowing what to do if those situations pop up is
1: super important to help save this dog. Yeah. And I think too, with like social media being what it is today, right? Like we have all of these groups on Facebook and like, just if you find a stray, like take a picture, post it it to one of those groups. Like, I can't tell you how many dogs we've seen find their owners that way. Right. Yep. Yep. And that's like the, the
0: beautiful power of social media, that type of stuff. And that's like, you know um, I think about just even fitness in the park, like how much the event has grown because of social media and people sharing the mission and people sharing the love for this this general love for pitbulls and you know like we have people that travel from different states to come to this event just because they have this
1: connection with the Pipple breed. Right, exactly. That Oh my gosh. So that event has been such a huge blessing for the dogs in this area, right? It's gotten so much attention and it's just amazing that you guys even put that together.
0: Yeah. It is really amazing to think about. I don't think Lauren or I ever thought that it would become what it's become. Um, and to think of, you know, when you have people that are like, you know, we traveled for four hours, like just to come to this, to meet you guys and meet all the dogs. We love what you do. And to think about like how much money the event raises for you guys and for even local vendors and local businesses that are there. It's just, you know, I, Lauren and I always say like, we wish we could save every single dog. And the older I get, the more I learn about myself, and the more I do this, I realize that, like, when I think about rescue, I don't think my place in rescue is to actually be out there in the front line, and, you know, like, doing what you do, it's more of the creating the community, and getting the word out, and doing things from almost, like, the outside, and I think that plays a really big part of, like, just getting involved in ways that you maybe aren't the actual rescuing of animals. Cause not everyone can do that. Not everyone, you know, I think a lot of us would be like, yeah, I'd love to have a farm where I can have a million dogs and save all the rescue animals. But like, that's not really realistic for a lot of people. So it's doing what you
1: can to help the mission. hundred percent. And we say that all the time. Like there's so many ways to get involved, especially like with our rescue too, right? Like it's not it's not for everyone. It's really heartbreaking every single day. Like I still, am not used to it. Like I go to the shelter and I still cry. And this Mm -hmm. is, you know, eight years later, seven years later, like I still, it's still heartbreaking to walk through a shelter and knowing you can only save one dog and there's team faces looking at you. Like it's not, it's not for everyone. Right. And but there's been so many people have reached out and it's like, I can't foster, I can't adopt right now, or I, I cannot go to a shelter. Like I literally just mentally cannot handle that, but how yes. can I help? And it's like, come to our event, help us sell t-shirts that will help us be able to afford to save more dogs. You know, we've had people who are getting married and instead of doing favors, they donate money to the rescue. I love they- that. I, so cool. I love that so much. Or when they, or they, we just had a, another person who had a small wedding in their backyard and they were like, we're going to collect donations. Oh, that's and, amazing. Yeah. And like just doing things like that. Or we've had like Girl Scout troops that this is their like main project for Girl Scouts. I don't oh, know what it's called. I and love that. And they run, they start like collecting supplies for us or, you know, they donate money. Like they just, it's there's so many ways to be involved like you know there we have a great network of volunteers that help us out but it's like at the end of it, it's just Kendall and I who are running this and we can't yeah. be everywhere and we both also work full time jobs and um you know just transporting a dog from the shelter to foster or mm-hmm, from foster mm-hmm. to the vet like these things are really super helpful and it's a way to get involved right Yeah. And it's, there's so many moving
0: pieces of the puzzle. Like the fact that you just said, like you and Kendall both work full-time jobs. Like, I think it's really easy for people to forget that, you know, like running a rescue, you guys don't make money off of this. It's not your (laughs) full-time thing. Like you have a full-time job. You have a life outside of rescue. And I have so much admiration for you guys and for everyone that, that does what they do and rescue. And You know I think this is kind of my way of telling people like I I, it really bothers me when people are like rescue hasn't gotten back to me in like a week I'm trying to get this dog and I'm like well do you know what they're actually doing like do you they have a life so I think this is my way of saying like let's stop getting mad at rescues for not responding in a timely manner Uh,
1: thank you. I was actually, this is like one of my biggest pet peeves too, is like, we're we're doing our best here, right? Like yes, there's there's two of us, sometimes life for one of us gets crazy and then there's just one of us, you know, that week. And I can't tell you too, like most people are amazing, like completely understand. But like, sometimes we get messages that it's like, why are we doing this? We're like getting verbally abused for like volunteering our time and it can, it can get really disheartening. Like we'll get an email from someone who's like, hi, like I, I need to surrender my dog. And it's like, we're full and we can't take your dog right now. And they'll be like, Well, thanks for nothing. Yeah, you should really like do your job. And I'm like, well, this isn't my job. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Well, actually, maybe you should do your dog your job and yeah. And it's like,
1: but I understand what they're going through. But like, we can't take every single dog, or we can't respond to every single email in the minute we get them, or you know. And it's not just emails. And we also have like messages on Instagram and on Facebook, and yeah, it gets crazy and most people understand but a lot of like a lot of people don't and it can, yeah. it can get kind of upsetting for us you know because we course. don't want to let anyone down of course
0: but. I mean I'm sure that's the biggest one of the biggest uh disheartening things is that you can't save all of them but you're saving a
1: lot of them yeah we try sometimes it gets really frustrating it's like yeah. we get we get two out of the shelter and the next day there's four more and it's like oh we just like cannot keep up right Yeah,
0: yeah but you guys are doing the work that needs to be done on so many levels and just helping so many dogs that wouldn't be helped without you. So what is some ways that, um, if someone did want to help you guys specifically Jersey pits rescue, what are some ways that
1: people can volunteer and help you? Yeah. Oh my gosh. We are always looking for help. Um, like I said, if like obviously we we would love more fosters who wouldn't, right? More lives saved. But if you can't foster or you can't adopt, like share our posts, right? Mm-hmm. Get, get, get our name out there. Um, You can, you know, we're posting all the time needing help with transports. You know, we do work with other shelters besides Patterson where we work with shelters down in South Jersey that are honestly like almost three hours away from my home, right? So, if if someone can help us transport dogs like we could always use it um if people could donate supplies or if people can help us with vet visits you know we have amazing fosters but they all work too sometimes right. they can't get a dog from one place to another like we would love if someone could help us out there there's oh there's so many ways to get involved we when we do events you know we're always needing people to help us run tables or talk to people um there's geez. Sometimes we need short term fosters. Like mm-hmm. our foster, like one of our fosters is going away for a weekend. It's a great way to like get introduced to fostering, right? Take a dog for the weekend. In the summertime when it's nice out, we do like um buddies where we like give the fosters a break and we let someone Take a foster dog for the day and like oh, bring, bring so it on fun. a fun. Yeah, we call them adventure buddies. Like bring the dog to the park or bring the dog for a hike. Cause even our, you know, our fosters can get overwhelmed too. They're doing yeah. so much for a dog that isn't even theirs. Right. Yeah. So give them a break. We've had people take dogs to the beach for the day. Any way oh that God, they can help like out the dream. dogs that are in our care. <laughs> that's also
0: such a good way that if you're thinking about getting a dog or if you're thinking about fostering to you know see what it's like to actually have that dog it's not a full
1: experience but it's like a taste of it it's so true though like we've actually like prime example we had a dog that had severe skin issues right so it was getting um medical treated baths at um botanicals Uh um, which is an amazing place yeah Um, they
0: were at pitness, right
1: Yes, they're so amazing. I actually brought my own dog there. They have like this special bath, like a bubble bath. It like shoots bubbles and it helps their skin so much. But um they they were helping us out with one of our dogs had like severe skin issues and the dog had to go there three days a week, right? And the the foster was like, I just can't do it. I can't take leave work early three days a week so there was people volunteering to do it for them, right? They were picking uh-huh. up the dog, bringing it for its bath and bringing it back to foster. And so amazing. But one of our volunteers like fell in love with that dog and ended up adopt- adopting <sighs> oh my her God, because she spent so much time story. with her like in the car and during her baths. And she was like, I I'm in love with this dog. And it was like that chances are, she would have never had that opportunity to like, get to know her a little bit and right. like, realize like, that's the dog for me. And like, they're doing amazing. And it's just so cool when stuff like that happens. And we also had that happen with an adventure buddy. They, they took a dog out for the day and then did it the next weekend and then ended up adopting. Oh,
0: that's so beautiful. That's like best case scenario, right?
1: Exactly. Totally. Oh,
0: I love it. I love it.
1: So what was so say? funny too, actually, Vanessa, I took a dog on an adventure day a couple weeks back and did I'm you? walking her. I was walking her in the park, and I ran into two other Jersey Pit dogs there. (laughs) Oh, my God. Like, that have already been adopted. And I was like, wait, that dog looks so familiar. (laughs) And, yeah, so it's cool. We get to see, like, our dogs out there with their families. Yeah, is that, like,
0: the most rewarding thing? Like, when you see your dogs with their families, like, after they've been adopted?
1: It's the absolute best. Or, like, when we get updates through photos. Mm you know like one of our events it's just it's so cool to see them like what what they you know like where they came like they came from the shelter and now they're wearing a friggin bow in their hair and have a bandana you know like it's just like the best feeling ever to see (laughs) it and that's when it's like all right this is all worth it yeah
0: yeah they're so happy
1: and their families are obsessed with them Mm, I
0: love it I love it so what is um, what's your favorite underdog story that you guys got to experience?
1: Oh, my gosh. There's been so many. I have to think of, like, I would say probably one of my favorites is um, is Reese. I'm not sure if you remember Reese, but she was I actually – like I She ro- was found completely, like, emaciated on the side of the road, could not even walk. She was 17 pounds when she was found – found by a good Samaritan brought to the shelter and like the shelter called us and was like we have a super emaciated dog here and when we went to see her it was like not what we expected like literally an adult pit bull 17 pounds oh my god every bone in her body didn't Mm. even have the strength to lift her head oh my god And she spent probably over a month at Orodell Animal Hospital oh my god and then to see her now you know like 70 pounds which she Uh should be Uh like living the absolute best life it's Uh just it's unbelievable but there's been so many. i'm trying to even think oh but that's good
0: that there's so many that you can't think about what your favorite one was
1: (laughs) they're all my favorites i think like yeah there's and one of my one that's like super close to my heart is um his name was billy goat when we had him his name Uh is benny now he was actually um they found him like on like he was kind of like on the cliffs near the Patterson shelter near the Patterson Falls over there I think I
0: remember this one
1: yeah he was like all white so cute and like animal control like actually couldn't get to him Yeah, shelter and I just kind of like kind of climbed up there and we got him down and he was so scared and like so terrified and he would just sit in the kennel and and shake and lean against the wall and now he's just like living like the absolute best life like ever Aww. he's he Billy was on the Go, dodo what a
0: great name
1: yeah <laughs> 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 yeah he was yeah he he's awesome he was such a good dog and he's I mean he still is a good dog but yeah he was on um he was on the dodo and oh my he's god been, he was
0: so cool
1: yeah he was I awesome and I think because I like, like it oh definitely and I think because like I was like part of that rescue it makes it a little bit more like emotional and personal yeah. you know, like literally
0: seeing it start to finish like being hands-on actually rescuing him I'm sure that just adds a whole nother level of emotions to it
1: it really does wow. they're just all so cute I mean we have Tyler who was literally set on fire at eight, eight weeks old oh my you god know? I
0: remember him he was at Pitness last year right
1: Either, la- yeah, I think he was there last year, yeah? Was that
0: last year or the year before? I think but- the year
1: before, yeah. Yeah, yep. That and means- he was at, remember when we did that Um, that event at a- yes. the yes, bar at the in bar. Hoboken? Yep. <laughs> yep, he was there.
0: Yes, I think that's what I'm thinking about. Oh, my God. Yeah,
1: he's just, and now he's like, lives with a bunch of kids and is, you know, like, goes to soccer games, you know? It's just so cute yeah. to see.
0: Yeah, and you know what, dude? You think about that, and you're like, this is resilience. Like this type of stuff is what dogs can live through. And like when they get enough love and they get enough care and enough training, that's how their life can turn out. It's, it's really amazing. Yeah. It's beautiful. You guys, you guys are the best. I can't wait to see y'all. So before we wrap up, what is the best way um, for people to get in touch with you, whether it's you know to foster, adopt, help out, whatever, what's the best way to reach you?
1: Um, I would definitely say email us okay. jerseypitrescue at gmail.com. We're constantly in the email monitoring it all day. Also, definitely Instagram, we're always on Instagram, so we, we definitely respond to messages really quickly there. The only one we kind of lag with is Facebook, we're not on yeah. there as much, but. Hit us up on social media. They can even send us messages through our website, jerseypitsrescue.com. But email and Instagram, I would say, is the the easiest contact. Awesome. And I will obviously
0: link all of those notes. And also Jersey Pits Rescue, so all of the proceeds from Fitness in the Park is going to be donated to Jersey Pits Rescue. Fitness in the Park is, um, I think this is the sixth year we're doing it. It is a fundraiser that's all about raising awareness and education for bully breeds. Um, It's happening on October 22nd in Jersey City at Hamilton Park. and So all the tickets are donation-based, which means that, like I just said, all of the proceeds go to Jersey Pits Rescue, and you can grab those tickets um, ahead of time, or you can grab them at the event. I'll put the link in the bio, but it's such a fun event and i'm not just saying that because i'm the co-founder it really is it's pretty much an event with a ton of the cutest dogs ever we have <laughs> local vendors come out from all different um you know all different industries and stuff there's some amazing raffles and it's just a really it's such a good feeling day because everyone is there for the same reason everyone is there because They love these dogs and they believe in these dogs and how good they are. And, you know, we talked about how pit bulls just have, they have a bad reputation and they don't deserve it. They're the best dogs in the world. And that's why we created this fundraiser. And we're so happy that we can donate so much to you guys, so much time, energy, and just funds to help as many
1: dogs as possible oh my gosh and you have no idea how much it helps us out we're really we feel blessed that you you chose us and don't forget the dj it's literally a party with oh, a bunch yeah, of dogs
0: there's a dj too and there's dog <laughs> ice cream so your dog is coming at ice cream and if you've never seen a dog eat ice cream it's probably one of the purest things you will ever see in your life
1: <laughs> so cute <laughs> yeah it we're really looking forward to it and yes. it helps so many dogs like it's definitely the biggest fundraiser that we get to be a part of. So, thank you again. You and Lauren are the best. Of course. We love doing it. We really, really do. Uh, Danny, thank you
0: so much for being on here. I would love to, and this is something that we could talk about in the future, do another follow up episode. But I'm really excited for this one because I think. A lot of things that we talked about are important for people to know, and sometimes asking questions is scary, especially when it comes to fostering and adopting and Pitbull. So I'm glad that you can uh, you shared your knowledge and your
1: expertise, and I really appreciate it. Oh, thanks for having me. And there's also a lot of information that we include on our website. So a lot of answers a lot of questions about fostering, about adopting. So it's always a good resource there as well. Amazing. And I will link that as well. So awesome. Danny,
0: thank you so much for all the work that you do. Give all the dogs hugs and kisses for us and I'll see you at Fitness in the Park. Definitely will. Thank you so much, Vanessa. I really appreciate it. Of course. Have a good one. Bye. You too. Okay, hey fam. Thanks for listening to the stream of Copiness. You can find resources and links from this episode in the show notes at the stream of copyness about me page. If you felt like this episode hit you on a soul level, you can give the podcast a follow or leave a little love by writing a review. And make sure to hop into the Conscious Creators Collective, the digital inbox community for your weekly dose of sarcasm, elder millennial musings, and of course, copy tips. See you out there, boo. Blessings.